This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making Veritas possible. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to both segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. And by subscribing to Veritas, you are indeed upgrading your mind. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store. For MMS, USB drives with every season, T-shirts, and more. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Tonight's special guest is Richard Cottrell, author of the book Gladio, NATO's Dagger at the Heart of Europe, the Pentagon Nazi Mafia terror axis. If you are willing to explore the unreported history that has taken our world to where we are, false flags, assassinations, and the propaganda virus that spreads to everyone who simply turns on the television, then get ready. Richard Cottrell, right now on Veritas. And with us tonight is a proficient expert in Operation Gladio, Richard Cottrell, a veteran European television journalist who specializes in politics and economics. 
is a regular contributor to the National ITV Network and the author of Gladio, NATO's dagger at the heart of Europe, the Pentagon Nazi Mafia Terror Axis. And directly from Italy, close to Venice, I'm honored to welcome Mr. Richard Cottrell. Hello, Mr. Cottrell, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Fine. Thanks very much, and thank you for your welcome. It's my pleasure. And this book was given to me by your publisher a few weeks ago, and I have to say, the more I read it, the more I realize how the Nazi script continues in the United States. But before we start with Gladio, right from the beginning, tell us what Gladio is, and how can we tell those people who say that this is simply a conspiracy theory? How do we support the claim that Gladio did indeed exist? Well, the first thing you say is that anybody who wants to uh, explain the truth is going to be detonated immediately as a conspiracy theorist. The evolution of Gladio was extremely interesting. It belongs in the, the Second World War. Uh, during this period, there was a, a great fear of either a German victory or subsequently a Soviet victory. And therefore, a number of Allied leaders considered it prudent to establish what would be known as stay-behind armies in the years to come. These organizations would consist of guerrilla soldiers who would hide in the mountains, in the valleys, wherever, uh, sourced by arms dumps in order to resist, in the case of the United Kingdom, uh, a German invasion, in the case of the whole of Europe uh, during the Cold War, a Soviet invasion. It was a prudent measure. This is my first conclusion about it. It was reasonable that governments should say, if we are going to be invaded, then we should have a stay-behind organization to harass invaders. That's how it began. It was gradually transferred from individual member states to the authorship, shall we say custodianship, of NATO. And that was the origin of the stay-behind armies, sometimes known as the secret soldiers. In other words, if Europe had lost the war, then all these, there we call them cells, would be activated yeah, to, to, to minimize the effect of, the, of the, the, the win of the war. Yes, they would raid uh, railway lines, blow up bridges, uh, disturb the communication networks of the invaders. All of it uh, perfectly prudent, I think, military uh, precautions in the event of an invasion. And General Lyman Lemitzer, who seemed to be to have played a big part in all this, who was General Lemitzer? Well, you should know. You're an American. <laughs> he he was an extraordinary figure who um, may have been, in memory, the greatest fascist the United States has ever known. He certainly had an ambition to take over the government of the United States of America. He had an ambition to overthrow John Fitzgerald Kennedy, and he had an ambition to place the Pentagon, uh, the generals of the Pentagon, in control of the country. Now, let's explore this a bit, because that sounds quite explosive, and I think even to Americans this is quite an extraordinary story. But nevertheless, it is true. General Lyman Lemnitzer was a rather obscure officer, uh, who for years uh, lingered uh, 
in the background of American army politics as a lowly brigadier. They used to call him uh, who he, this who he phrase followed him around everywhere. And then one day his benefactor came to his aid. Eisenhower. Yes, Eisenhower. Eisenhower, to me, is an equivocal figure. To Americans, I think it's almost like questioning Jesus Christ, that Eisenhower could be wrong. But he was definitely wrong in promoting uh, General Lyman Lemnitzer to the pinnacles of the Pentagon, which, as we all know today, is a state within a state. In my book, I call it Pentagonia. Lemnitzer was an extremely curious person. He came from a rather similar stable to Eisenhower. Both were fundamentalist Christians. Uh, both detested communism in all its forms. Both believed in a kind of organization of society which we wouldn't call democratic if we're perfectly honest about it. It was all very well for Eisenhower to rail against the military-industrial complex at the end of his reign. But we must remember that no other president in history to that point in time had done more than he had to raise the military-industrial complex to the pinnacles of the American state. He treated Eisenhower almost as though it was... Sorry, I didn't mean Eisenhower. He treated Lemnitzer almost as though it was his own son. He found this lowly officer uh, basking in the background and raised him up to become eventually uh, the commander-in-chief of the United States Army. And then after that, uh, commander of the uh, Pentagonian Chiefs of Staff. This was an extraordinary uh, career for Lemnitzer, and it would not have happened without the benediction of Eisenhower. The important thing to remember about Lemnitzer was basically he was a fascist. He was fascinated by the uh, precision ballet of the Nazi state. He believed that German generals were fighting an honorable war against a godless enemy, uh, namely the Soviets, uh, the Russians. He believed that the United States was the epitome of the world empire and that she represented all that was good and great that anyone should admire throughout the world. After the war, he was touring uh, Europe looking for Nazi war criminals to aid the Pentagonian cause. Werner von Braun was his first mm. catch. Paperclip. And th this led to a huge civil war in the Pentagon, which I describe in my book, as to who should own uh, America's fashionable international uh, ballistic missiles, should it be the Air Force uh, or the Army. And this led to the famous revolt known as the War of the Colonels, mm -hmm. which is still completely undiscussed in American history. Now, Eisenhower. Equivocal figure. Absolutely. And when he, during his farewell speech, he warned us, but mm. did he enable the military-industrial complex? Yes. He was the individual who signed off the cookbook to cook the world, which was the uh, the new order of the American battle. In other words, he, he arranged the new 
arrangements for which the United States would fight future battles. In the past, this has always been assumed on the basis that it would be uh, conventional warfare. You would fight uh, boot with boot. He signed off the cookbook to cook the world, which converted the United States to a totally nuclear-armed position. He set off the arms race at a time. This is the fascinating thing about it. He set off the arms race at a time when the uh, neoconservatives were claiming that the Soviet Union had a superiority of missiles, intercontinental ballistic missiles, over the United States uh, of such stunning proportions that the US could be obliterated at any moment. We now know that they had about four intercontinental ballistic missiles which might have reached American soil. This is the, really, I think, the subtext of the the whole um, ethos of the book that I've written about Gladio, which is the generation of artificial synthetic fear to frighten ordinary citizens uh, that they may not wake up in the morning, that they will go to bed at night, and that during that night uh, they will be bombed out of existence, the shadow of the mushroom cloud. This is very much the ethos of gladio terrorism, the terrorizing and frightening of ordinary citizens to make them believe that something terrible is about to happen. And if you can do that, you can justify an arms race, you can justify declaring war on the world, you can justify invading any country on the pretext that your own nationals uh, are at risk. This triggers me to read the following quote. History repeats itself. Quote, you had to attack civilians, the people, women, children, unknown people far from any political gam. The reason was quite simple, to force the people to turn to the state to ask for the for greater security, unquote. May I call you Richard, by the way? Yes, by all means. Yeah. You would think, Richard, that perhaps we're referring to 9-11 here. No, this is a convicted Italian terrorist with the name of Vincenzo Vinciguerra. So this has been happening for decades before. Yes. Can we just go back back to the inventor of this? Please. Well, he's not really the inventor because it actually goes back aeons back in time. But General Lyman Lemnitzer was the author of the famous Northwoods Project. Mm -hmm. This was during the confrontation between the United States of America and Casper. This is an old one, and it's still unfinished. Well, Lemnitzer had a perfect answer to this. He hatched a scheme whereby hoodlums, mafia criminals, would shoot Americans in the street, going about their everyday business, going to the shops, driving cars, going to parking lots, whatever, taking their kids to school. He would arrange to blow up aeroplanes and blame it on Castro. He would arrange to sink ships and blame it on Castro. Now, Northwoods was the progenitor of the whole Gladio plot. You had, think of it, Americans venerate soldiers as gods in uniform. Mm -hmm. You do. 
Now here you had the God in uniform, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, sending a formal message to the President of the United States of America, asking him for permission to hire criminals to shoot Americans in the streets, blame Castro in order to invade Cuba. Think about it. And by the way, I'm a product of the the Cuban Missile Crisis. My parents left from Spain to Cuba, and then they had to return to Spain after 1961. So all these stories are very close to to my heart. But uh, Lemnitzer, he was the the creation of Eisenhower. Eisenhower created a monster, his own version of Frankenstein. This man, no doubt, was capable of orchestrating the killing of our president. Didn't he try to kill... President Charles Hugal almost seven times. Well, <clears throat> let me just go back a little bit to, to the, the start of your explanation there, which is, by the way, excellent. Uh, Eisenhower did create America's Frankenstein. There's no question of it. Uh, he saw in Lemnitzer a resourceful officer who had played a considerable role during the Second World War uh, during the invasion of southern Europe by Allied forces. It was at this point, I think, that Lemnitzer became um, obsessed with what I call the precision ballet of the Nazi state, because he was charged secretly uh, with negotiating with German uh, leaders, German leaders of troops retreating from Italy, He met senior officers in Switzerland to persuade them to remain in the war, would you believe? Not physically fighting, but to cease fighting in order to attack the Soviet Union at a later date. This was a monstrous lie, and in fact, Lemnitzer got away with it. And he learned at this point that he could lie and get away with it. And Eisenhower learned at this point that he seemed to be dealing with a master strategist. Now, the question is, did Eisenhower regret what he had done? And that's why he shared with us his concern during his farewell speech. Yeah. Yes, I think the farewell speech was aimed at Lemnitzer. I have no doubt of it. And how about the, uh, the attempted killing of Charles Ugal seven times? Well, <laughs> you could say up to 11 times, but first we must get to the point of how Lemnitzer actually got to be in this position. Uh, and this is the story of uh, JFK coming to the conclusion when he learned of the Northwoods plot that the generals in the Pentagon might have been planning uh, a coup d'etat, military coup d'etat. I think there is substantial evidence that this was the case. It's, it's not discussed in the United States of America because it would be like attacking the Pope. It's, it's difficult to do this. But you have to remember that uh, Roosevelt came very close to this himself shortly after he was elected, the famous White House plot. Now, without a shadow of doubt, um, Lemnitzer may not have matured a plot against Kennedy to levels of perfection, but certainly 
uh, Kennedy, who was one of the most intelligent uh, political leaders of my lifetime, and probably many people listening to this program, one of the most Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.